In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, for the past three weeks, we have been discussing together things that we believe that we cannot live without. And we started talking about the idea of meaning and that it's impossible to live without finding meaning in life. One of the philosophers once said that the most important two moments in your life is the moment that you're born and the moment that you find what you're born for. So without meaning, life becomes tasteless and unlivable. And that's why we have to find meaning. Sometimes we have to orchestrate or construct a meaning and we, we agree together then these type of meanings eventually fail because they don't stand the, the test of time, the test of rationality, and the test of suffering. And then there is a calling. And when you find this calling, then you will find fulfillment. And we said that we are called all to the same calling, being the saints, but every single one of us has a distinct calling, and every single one of us has got a separate calling according to what gifts has been given. And once you get to this calling, then the meaning will be clear to you. And then we discussed um, the idea of fulfillment. And we said that now that you found the meaning, we are all seeking fulfillment. We're all seeking satisfaction in our life. And there is this emptiness inside every single one of us. Regardless how happy a life you live or how content a life you think you're having, there will come a time sooner or later where you find that this gap inside you, this emptiness, this void inside you, that no matter how much you work, no matter how much uh, blissful life you have, family life, no matter how much money you earn, no matter how much friends you have, this void, this emptiness will continue to be inside you because this emptiness will not be filled except by your creator and the separation of which has made this void so painful. And we agreed that the reason that even though that we are in Christ and we are in church and we come and partake of the body and blood of Christ and we are supposedly close to God the reason that we continue to feel this void void and we continue to feel this emptiness is that we come already full already sensing a full sense of fulfillment a full sense of satisfaction and because of that we come and we are not empty enough to drink from the water of life from, to eat from the bread of life and to be satisfied by God because we're not desperate for Him and that's why we are not being fulfilled. Last week we talked about identity. We have got a meaning, we have got an idea about what fulfillment is, so the question that is now coming to us is who am I and what am I here for? What, what do I stand for? What is my identity? And we agreed is that there's so many ways to find identity in this world. Some people get identity put upon them because of the environment and the society and the family. And they say, he is the son of Fulan. He is the father of Fulan. She's got two doctors for sons. She's got four doctors. She's got two uh, um, architects. She's got a very successful this and she's proud and she feels fulfilled because of what she's achieved in her family. Or they say he's the son of this or son of that or daughter of this or daughter of that. And you find that your identity depends on your, your surroundings what people put upon you and sometimes being a servant sometimes can be an identity for you and sometimes we go into service thinking that I'm going to find my identity in service and that can be tough. Sometimes we try to put on an identity so we reject the identity that people put on us and we say no 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 I'm going to reject the world I'm going to reject the family I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to find what I feel and this will be my identity and we've discussed together how both of them 
are futile because both people that give you an identity are not valid to give you an identity and that we achieve, kind of uh, gone to the conclusion that a solid identity is not achieved, it is received, it's given, it's given to you and an identity that is solid is given by somebody who is above reproach somebody who says you are my son I have given birth to you you are my adopted son you are in my family you are now not a slave but you are a friend you are not a slave but you are a son and that's why identity stands it stands it's unshakable it stands because number one you know who you are number two you know how precious you are and we uh, discussed Ephesians chapter 2 when God is telling us you are my poem you are my handiwork you are special to me you are not like everybody else even though that I love you all but I love you specially in a different way and you are uh, um, like a pot that I have constructed uh, with love and even the faults that you see in yourself these are something that I've put in there for your uh, honor not for your dishonor and finally we discussed this uh, final thing about how can we have a solid unshakable identity without being arrogant without having the ego taking taking control of us and we decided together that like St. Paul said in, in, in Corinthians chapter 4 that he doesn't really care about what people think of him and he doesn't care about what he thinks of himself but he only th cares about what Christ thinks of him so now we have got a meaning we have got a way for fulfillment we have got an identity now we are discussing the um, fourth topic which is freedom so we discussed meaning fulfillment identity and now freedom so when this work this works just get this out of the way it doesn't want to do it Just gonna restart, guys. Sorry. Once we took the HDMI, we had I had a kind of a, a black spot all over the screen, so it did something not healthy Okay, so um, freedom. Whoever is the father, and um, or maybe hasn't been far from the teenaging years for a long time, will know what I'm talking about. Because every father has to deal with 
the idea of freedom or the misconception of freedom with his kids. So I probably was hoping to start this topic before Emma comes in, but she came in, so I'll have to watch what I say. <laughs> so as the kids grow, and of course you all have gone through that, and I have gone through that as well a long time ago, the idea of freedom is pushing the boundaries. It is not what you want to do, it is how far you can push the boundaries. And this is normal. This is normal. You, will, you feel your identity by sensing your freedom. So, for instance, a couple of days ago, not a couple of days ago, yet a couple, like 24 hours ago, coming back from uh, our holiday uh, kind of uh, in Romana, my younger daughter, Faith, is agreeing with me on where she's going to go for a holiday after she finishes year 12. And we agreed, <laughs> we agreed that she can go for a holiday with her sister by themselves, without us, which is very tough for us. She doesn't care where the place is. It just has to be far. So it doesn't, so, so I'm telling her, <laughs> so I'm telling her, we don't mind that you go with your sister for a holiday. It just, we worry about you. It's dangerous. You're still like 17 years old and we want you, we want you to be safe, you, the crime and so on and so forth. So we want you to be in Victoria. She said, okay, let's have a look at the map and see the furthest point in the Victorian map, like on the border, <laughs> so she can sense this freedom. So she's looking at the Victorian map and saying, ah, Lake's Entrance. And she's comparing the, di the distance between Lake's Entrance and Melbourne to see. Uh, and she ended up going to Port Ferry. So Port Ferry, it doesn't matter if it's a dump or a good place. It just has to be far away. And then I'm explaining that uh, faith is not the issue of, um, of the distance. We just want, to want you to, 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 to be safe. <laughs> she's telling me. If you want really, if you want me to be safe, we should be out of Victoria completely because the crime rate in Victoria is so bad. The furthest out of Victoria I am, the safer I will be. So, so she's making an argument that um, that she needs to go far. It doesn't matter where she's by far. But this is this is how we think of freedom. Freedom means that you are away. You are on your own. You make your own identity. You make your own personality by being on your own, being free to do whatever you want to. Not that Faith doesn't want to, want to do whatever she wants to. She's going to be with her sister. Faith is going to be looking after her. But she just wants to feel that there is no real... She's out of the kind of magnetic field of, of her mother and father. Um, and that's something that we all go through and we have gone through and we feel sometimes. And that's why the concept of freedom is something that is not clear for many of us. I told you uh, uh, last week about about Goha and his story with, the, with identity and how he was misconceived and ended up running after this banquet that he was de deceiving people to run after. And I'm going to tell you another story for Goha that is a very well known in, in uh, uh, Egyptian folklore and Egyptian culture. It's about freedom as well. So Goha goes in and it's a nice beautiful evening like the last story. But this time the story involves his son as well. So they want to, I'm, I'm sure any of you of uh, kind of uh, read some of the, his uh, stories, or remember this story, where he goes, he says, oh, we've got nothing to do, we're free, let's go for a ride on the donkey. So you, they both go on the donkey, and they have, uh, um, they take the donkey with them, and uh, Goha sensed that he wanted just to, um, 
to uh, ride and his son was running after the donkey. So the Goha is riding and the son is riding after the donkey. And then he says, oh, can you ride? let's ride together. And then people say, oh, what are you doing, Goha? Said, what's wrong? We're just free. We're having a nice time here. What, what's, what's wrong with one? He said, don't you have any kind of compassion in your heart? You're both riding on a donkey. It's evening. The donkey's been working all day long. Don't you, even, don't you feel for this donkey? He says, okay. Even though I'm free to do what I want to, but the people are frowning about what I'm going to do. So he said, okay, I'm going to get the son. He wants to play. He's got his soccer ball. He's going to run after the donkey. and I'm going to ride the donkey. So five minutes later, another mob comes and says, what's this? You're, don't you have any sense? You're riding on the donkey and the poor son is running behind the donkey. Don't you have any compassion on the, on the, on the poor kid? Do something. So I said, okay, even though I'm free and I can do what I want to, but just for the people's sake, he put the son on the donkey and he rides next to the, he, so he walks next to the donkey. And then another mob comes and um, says, what's this kid who doesn't have any sense? His father, the old man, who needs to rest his knees, is walking on the streets and walking on the ground, the rough ground, and he's sitting on the donkey and he's young. So this, is, this guy, this kid has not behaved well and it's, it's probably Goha's uh, upbringing. He doesn't, uh, kind of, he hasn't taught his, uh, his kid matter. So eventually, Goha comes down and the son comes down and they both, both carry the donkey and they start. <laughs> so, uh, so no matter what you think of freedom, no matter what the concept is of freedom, it depends on what you, what, real freedom is what real freedom is. so today we're going to look at real freedom in the, in the few minutes that uh, that are left after uh, um, our kind of technical uh, faults and we're going to try to get, pick your brains and see what you think of um of freedom so um i'm going to read for you um a quote from a philosopher i might have quoted him again before um, we were talking about fulfillment his name is thomas hobbes and Ho- thomas hobbes says the freedom can be rightly defined as, so this is a philosopher, not Christian, can be rightly defined as the lack of all obstacles to the action. So you have no obstacles in the action. Because they don't or are not contained in the nature and the inner qualities of a person. So you cannot have obstacles because your makeup is not obstructed by anything. So Freedom basically is doing what you want to. And I can go through quite a few uh, uh, philosophies, uh, philosophers and, and quotes that, um, that will tell you what the society thinks of freedom, what freedom is to people around us. But I think the most poignant uh, was uh, by a late philosopher who said, let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, turn away and slam the door. You remember this one? Yeah? The boys don't know what I'm talking about. The girls are smiling. It's called Frozen, boys. <laughs> turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they are going to say. It's time to see what I can do. It's time to see what I can do. To test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong. No rules for me, I'm free. So this is the new philosophy of this time. Elsa, frozen. Let it go, which every single five-year-old knows it by heart. Let it go, let it go. Test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. So is that freedom? What is real freedom? What is true freedom? That's what we want to kind of analyze today. Today I want to talk to you about just two or three points. The first one, what is freedom or the... the, the, the anatomy of freedom 
and then we're going to kind of deconstruct what is anti-freedom or slavery, and then we'll talk about what's real freedom in Christ. So I'm going to read to you in um, chapter John, uh, chapter uh, the, the Gospel according to John, uh, chapter eight, and probably imagine that it's up there. So I'm going to read it to you, verse thirty-one. You know the verse very one. The, the, the verse is very well from verse 31 to 34. So the gospel according to St. John, Christ is saying, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, just, just watch what they say. They answered him, What are Abraham's, we are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They're saying, we are Abraham's uh, um, uh, descendants. We are his sons and daughters. We are the sons of the Jews who have been slaves in Egypt for a long time. 400, 500 years. Uh, we've never kind of been slaves to anybody. Clearly, they need a, a lesson in history. Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. He's, telling, he's trying to kind of redirect their conception or their view of freedom. He's saying, we've never been slaves to anyone. We are free. How can he make us free? We are already free. He's saying, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So, first I just wanted to kind of uh, uh, focus on just a couple of verses from uh, from these, uh, from this bit of uh, uh, chapter eight, um, because sometimes we have got this misconception that freedom means that I am my own, I can do what I want. But this concept of freedom is faulty. It's, it cannot be achieved. It cannot it cannot be done. There is no absolute freedom. The way that the, 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 the a teenager wants to, to be. There's no absolute freedom that, in a way that people think because there's always freedoms. There's no one single absolute freedom. So for instance, on a physical level, on a physical level in everyday life, I can have a patient and he can have gout. Have you heard of gout? Have gout where He's got a kind of biochemical abnormality where he's got um, a certain salt increasing in his body which causes joint problems and so on and so forth. We know that gout, gout can get worse with red meats, red wine, stuff like that. So, he's free. He comes to me and says, hey, Doc, what I can do about the gout? So you've got two options. You're free to eat what you want. He wants to eat meat. He loves his meat. He's a typical man. He wants his snags. He wants his sausages. And he wants to enjoy his life. And he's free to enjoy his life. However, he's still limited to his medical condition. So, would he be free or freer if he eats what he likes and end up being crippled by gout with sore joints and swallowed joints? Or would he be freer if he says, no, I'm not going to eat the meat, I'm not going to drink the wine, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to enjoy life, but I'm going to have to restrict my intake of meat and red wine. So there's no absolute freedom here. 
there's choices. I have to choose what is my true freedom. And I have to choose also what I will restrict myself from. So on this physical level, the simple example of somebody who's diabetic or somebody who's got gout or somebody who's got a medical condition, there's no absolute freedom. There is a choice. What makes you more free? What makes you more enslaved? But you might come and tell me, ah, doc, but that probably might be free or the freedom or freedoms on a physical level yeah you might be sick you cannot have this you might be uh, not sick you can eat whatever you want to but this is only on a physical level I tell you not but even on a metaphysical level or an emotional level this is true as well so you're married you love your wife and you have freedom in your love for each other so there's commitment and commitment there's freedom but if I decide on a Friday night that I'm going to go and spend a couple of nights with uh, the boys fishing for uh, an overnighter and just take the boat and go without telling my wife, that's not going to go well, <laughs> just to say the least. I have to tell Russia I'm going, uh, not because I am imprisoned, but love in itself even the, metaphysical, even the metaphysical reality, even the emotional connection, entitles not imprisonment, but commitment. And the commitment is not imprisonment. I can't tell her, she can say, you didn't tell me about this trip or this fishing trip. I can't tell her, let it go, let it go. I'm free to do what I want to, uh, open the door. But <laughs> she's like, she's gonna close the door. <laughs> the door is not gonna be open anymore. So. Even on a metaphysical level, physical and metaphysical level, there are freedoms. There's not one single absolute freedom. In a relationship, it, there is a situation where there is freedom in commitment, freedom in restricting what you think of yourself as free. And when you both commit, when you both commit in that way, when you both restrict your freedoms in that way, for the sake of your love to each other, there will be freedom. So clearly, even on an emotional level, there's no absolute freedom. You have to say, because I love my wife, I will not do that without seeing what she is, what we have on the weekend, what plans we have, if she's happy with that. She's going to be worried if I'm going to go away fishing in the middle of the sea for 24 hours. There has to be restrictions. Not imprisonment, but restrictions. So what I wanted to tell you, what I wanted you to understand primarily is that there is no absolute freedom. There are freedoms. There are different freedoms. And you have to decide which of the freedoms makes you more free. What you have to relinquish to be freer. So now that you've got this kind of idea, idea number one, that there are restrictions that will allow you to be truly free, I want to tell you about now the opposite of the, 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 we talked about the anatomy of freedom, we're going to talk about the opposite, the other side. What is slavery? What is slavery? Is slavery simply not being able to eat what you like or not being able to go away on the weekend whenever you want to? Or slavery is uh, being imprisoned in, um, in a prison? Or slavery is a bit more than that? So I'm going to tell you um, something that we alluded to a couple of, um, a couple of uh, uh, weeks ago. 
which is what the Israelites, what the Jews were just telling Christ a couple of minutes ago about we have never been, we have never been imprisoned. So this is from Numbers chapter 11. So they are now in the desert and they are, I told you that they are sick of the manna. So they come to, uh, to Moses and tell them, the rabble with them began to crave other foods. They are sick of manna. And the Israelites started wailing and said, if only, remember I told you about if only, when it's just a fulfillment thing, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Of course, no cost because they were slaves. They gave them fish for free to work uh, with that straw. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. The, the, the real kind of translation of or lost our appetite means we have no strength anymore. We never see anything but this manna. They're sick of manna, they want meat. And this is in Numbers chapter 4, 5, and 6. And then there is a discourse between uh, uh, God and Moses. And then God says what? Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. He's just saying what they said. We were better off in Egypt. He's just repeating what they said. Now the Lord will give you meat. And you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is coming, who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Do you get these verses? So they're sick of the manna. They say we want meat. If only we had meat, we were good. What did they take us? out into the desert, we're sick of that, we want to go back, it's what a beautiful life. Of course, they, these people are deluded. They were slaves, and they were sitting there, they were having free food, of course, because they are whipped every single day to make uh, bricks, and sometimes make bricks without straw, which is very hard to make. But because they were slaves for years, the slavery became their personality. They cannot think outside the box. They think as slaves. They think, I don't want to be free, I'd rather be a slave and be fed, rather than being free and have a choice. And this slavery in Egypt is always a depiction of sin. So Christ is, uh, God is telling them, okay, you have loathed me, you didn't loathe Moses, you have loathed me. And for that, if you want meat, I'm going to give you meat. I'm going to give it to you not for one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days. I'm going to give it to you for thirty days, for a whole month until meat comes out of your nostrils so you know what freedom is and what slavery is and in actual fact God gave them meat for 30 days and they ate it so much to the extent that some of the people died from overeating meat which I can relate to in some of the buffets that I go to and um, and there is a cemetery, there is a place for burial. It's called Kibrot Hatava. Uh, you, you, this is in chapter 11. You read about that in chapter 20. And Kibrot Hatava means the, gra the graves, Kibrot min Abri, yani Qabr. Qabr in Arabic means, means grave. So Kibrot Hatava means the graves of the people who craved meat. So they made the cemetery for the people 
obviously there was a good number of people that really died from overeating quail uh, and uh, and they just kind of uh, had to be buried in a separate cemetery in the desert in this area called Kabrot Hatava. <laughs> the reason I brought this for you is this really depicts sin. So we talked about what freedom is and is not. I want to tell you now what slavery is and this is slavery. Slavery is being brainwashed in sin. Because as you read these verses, you can realize a couple of things. Number one, that sin sin is the real loss of freedom. So these people, they lived in slavery so long, the extent that it became part of their fabric. And from that you get the, the concept that sin itself, when we sin, not only it separates us from God, but it sends us in sort of a centrifugal type of warp that the more we sin, the more we become slaves to sin. So not only, sometimes we think of sin that if I sin, this is just a point against me in heaven. I'm bad. So I've got a point against me and then I have some confession. I've, I've got a, a, another point, like a, 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 another kind of brownie point and it's a balanced thing. But it's not like that. When I sin, and sin, whatever it is, whether it is kind of doing the negatives or staying away from the positives, whatever sin is, the, the, the things that we take lightly, like uh, jealousy, like... Um, um, what do you say? Gossip. Yeah, like gossiping, like judgment, like uh, selfishness, all these things that we think of as respectable sin. I'm not stealing, I'm not lying, I'm just actually lying is one of the respectable sins now as well. We can, everybody lies, just, just, I'm not stealing, I'm not killing anybody, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not watching pornography, I'm just lying some mild lies just to get by. Yeah, selfish, yeah, it's all me, me, me. We think that these are respectable sins, but every single time we commit sin, even these mild, quote unquote, sins, we are not only separating ourselves from God, but we are going into this warp. It's like a centrifugal force. If you know the centrifugal force, the more that you move something, the furthest it's going to go when you let it go. And this is the force. The force of sin is not only separating you from God in the moment, but it is weakening your will to come back. It makes you harder to come back. It makes you harder to hold on to Christ again the more you let go, just like an addiction. So sin, especially as it is kind of depicted here, sin is slavery. So sin made these people slaves. They don't care about Moses. They don't care about freedom. They don't care about going to the promised land. They just want meat. Give me meat. Even if it's, I'm going to eat it until I die, just give me meat. And that's what happens with us with sin. We become slaves to sin. So people that commit sin, any type of sin, become slaves to sin. It weakens their will all the time so if I do it for the first time it's hard for me to do it so I'm gonna judge I'm gonna say me 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 I'm gonna start lying it becomes it first of all becomes hard I don't want to lie I don't want to lie and then it becomes just easy for me just like these people and you do it without, without even noticing these people were not knowing that they are slaves they wanted to go back and be slaves and be whipped just because of the meat because it became second nature so the more you do sin the more that you will to be able to resist sin becomes weaker 
your ability to resist sin becomes weaker because you become a slave. Not only become a slave to sin, but you become addicted to sin. These people wanted meat so much to the extent that they, the meat was coming out of their noses. They died for their addiction. And you can see, people, the of you, the pharmacists, will see a bit of an addiction pattern here. So they say here, you know how an addict, when an addict is, is craving something, there's two ways. Either they just become too weak because they just want it so bad, or they become very hyper because they want it so bad. These people, if you look what they say, they say that they are loathing the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. They're saying, but now we have lost our appetite, or the real word is, we have no power anymore. They just want meat. They're thinking of nothing except meat. And that's why they're saying, if only we had meat to eat. They are thinking of nothing. Meat has become it. And this is an addiction pattern. And that's what happens with sin. It becomes, it takes over. It creates tolerance. It's not enough. So doing, doing it once or doing the sin once, it's not enough. If you, we, we tolerance, just like tolerance to drugs. So when you have drugs, for instance, uh, like um, um, uh, speed or whatever. So speed, when you have some speed, it creates a bit of a buzz in the brain. And the reason that this buzz happens is that this drug stimulates a certain nerve and when this nerve is overstimulated because the drug is taken in a certain dose it creates a certain reaction and the brain thinks itself wow this was a huge reaction the brain doesn't think oh that's a nice reaction the brain thinks that's a huge reaction so what the brain does is it increases the receptors so it can mellow down the reaction so we've got like a gram of speed and we got one nerve and the gram of speed given the brain such a, a big buzz the brain said this is not normal so the brain thinks okay let's put two or three receptors in this so that the reaction cannot be that much and of course when you get three receptors and one gram the reaction is not that much so you think to yourself or the one who's addicted to speed said ah oh, i didn't get the same reaction so maybe i need to increase to two grams so it's two grams and three receptors and the brain thinks again wow that's a good buzz but this is not normal. Let's increase the receptors again. So it, it becomes like a catch-22 type of thing. I increase the dose, the brain increases the receptors, and it becomes an addiction pattern. It becomes what we call tolerance. You become tolerance, tolerant to that. And the same thing with sin. We become tolerant to sin. It's not enough to have to do something, whether it is a sexual addiction or addiction to lying or addiction to selfishness or addiction to comparing with other people or addiction to whatever the sin is, it becomes, you become tolerant to it. Number one, you become a slave to it because you cannot not do it, but you want to do it even more and more. And that's the real anti-freedom. When you lose your will to say no, that's real anti-freedom. When you lose your ability to say that's enough and you go into a catch-22 and a whirlwind type of wanting more and more and more of the same sin, that's the real freedom. So in that, these verses are telling us that, and that's what Christ is telling us, in, um, in Romans chapter 8, 8.21, St. Paul says, because the creation, in St. James, um, in King James Version, it says the creature, but it's the creation, the right translation. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So this is my last point, that number one, there is freedoms and the freedom that the world offers Elsa's freedom frozen's freedom open the door let it free 
uh, nothing, um, I don't care what, it's, what people say, no, no right, no wrong for me, I am free. This is an unworkable thing. There's no such thing. The second thing is that if you look into the anatomy of freedom, anatomy of anti-freedom, anatomy of freedom, anatomy of slavery, you can see that the real slavery is not the slavery to this or that, it's slavery to your inner desires that are corrupted by sin. So, um, what uh, uh, St. Paul is telling us is that in Christ, in Christ, this corruption, this nature that has been corrupted by sin, when you become a slave to sin, when you become addicted to sin, this is the only way that you can be freed from this bondage of corruption. And you become children of God. So you might think, I'm free now. I'm free to do what I want to. Who says I'm not free? <coughs> yes, you are free, but you still do not, you have not enjoyed what true freedom is because if you look at something like um, uh, Danton Abbey, where you've got the owners of the estate and you've got the slaves downstairs cooking for everybody else so they are free they have got limited freedom yes they can be free in the kitchen they can free to cook whatever they want to they can free downstairs but upstairs they cannot go into where the owners of the estate is do you know that's an abbey anyway i'm talking about girls type of stuff boys think i've got two two heads it's a, it's a movie about, um, well, it's a, it's a series, an English series about, uh, who, who knows, you know that, you know what I'm talking about? No? You've seen it, good, at least some boys have seen it. It is, yeah, it's about uh, an estate, an English estate, where there is, like, rich, rich man, poor man type of thing. But the slaves might think, yeah, I'm free. But they're free within minutes. The real free ones are the ones upstairs who can go and come downstairs and upstairs whenever you want to. But the slaves are free only downstairs. And we think that we're free, but our freedom is limited. We think that we're free, but when it comes to certain levels, we are still in bondage, even though that we've been freed by Christ. And the reason that we are still not free is that our freedom is defected. And the reason for the defect in our freedom is that we haven't really met Christ personally yet. There's no personal relationship. We haven't really tasted Christ yet. And when we do, then the freedom will be the glorious freedom of the children of God. St. Gregory of Nyssa says something very nice. He says, man's freedom is the true essence of God's image in him. So our freedom, our freedom is our true freedom is the real image of God. So God created us in his image and likeness. The image of God is our freedom, is being free like a son of God, being free to say no to sin, being free to say yes to love, to say yes to uh, uh, giving, to say yes to sacrificing, to say yes to fellowship, to say yes to being uh, the body of Christ, and to be able to say no to sin. That's the real freedom, the freedom of the children of God. And the slavery, is the other way around. There is this beautiful um, few verses from one of the Russian saints, uh, Sende Dokas, who says, we were created, this will tell you what real freedom is. We were created in God's image, but to be in his likeness, so he created us in his image and likeness. So he's saying we were created in his image, but to be in his likeness, this is a gift which is only given to them who through immense love 
have subjected the freedom of God that is when we do not belong to ourselves only then we become like him who with love reconciled us to himself so he's saying that true freedom this saint is saying true freedom happens we talked about freedom that freedom is the opposite of slavery to sin so he's saying that the image we all have but to become like God to get the likeness back we have to through love be able to control ourselves by becoming one with Christ in order to be selfless like he was selfless and becoming one with him is that too hard so he's saying that for you to gain the likeness in order to regain your freedom you have to become like Christ okay? you have to become selfless like Christ so you can emulate him become one with him and then you will be free back like he created you to be in the first place does that make sense it's a tough one but it's really nice so finally just tell you this um, uh, few verses from St. Gregory of Nyssa and he tells you exactly what we're talking about today that there's no absolute freedom the real slavery is sin and the only way that we can be free is becoming one with Christ this is the only way we can be free the reason that we are not able to do that yet the reason that our freedom is still defective is that till now we have not become one with him we have not really tasted him on a personal level till now we are doing so many things because we're supposed to do it because it is the right thing to do we have not tasted we have heard of people that tasted we talk about people that have tasted we say ah oh, Saint Gregory of Nyssa has tasted Saint Diodocus has tasted Saint Gregory of Palamas has said this and we are which is good but there has to be a moment that we eventually start to taste for ourselves not because Saint Paul said that not because Saint Anthony tasted that or because Saint Lazarus says this it's because I felt that and the only this the only way this happened is by trying to know Christ on a personal level and knowing somebody on a personal level does not happen without time it cannot happen by itself there has to be time for you to know somebody on a personal level and this will set you free as you will know the truth knowing the truth is not knowing about it knowing the truth is knowing him on a personal level and the reason that till now we are not free we're still in bondage to sin is because you and I haven't tasted we have heard of we have heard listen to people that have heard and we are just talking about people that have that people have and they're talking about some other people who have tasted him but we are not tasting him and that's why we are not free we are still waiting down and wanting thinking i'm coming i'm going to, uh, to church now but if you really really ask me i'd rather be on the beach i'd rather be just having this or having that we don't come and wanting to taste because we haven't tasted really and this is tasting equals personal personal equals time there's no way without time it has to be time you cannot really get to know and get to taste without giving time and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free there's a, a beautiful verse in Corinthians where St. Paul says where there is the Spirit of God there is freedom so when you taste when you taste then there will be freedom so Again, you have to put in time. Sometimes it's hard. But you cannot 
I might have told you that before. You cannot get to know without time. You cannot, if I cannot tell one of my girls, we want to get closer to each other. I want to know you and I want to get to know your life without spending time with my girls, getting to know them. I cannot tell Faith, okay, Faith, we want to be close to each other. So why don't you, I really am busy, Faith, but I'm free on Tuesdays after 9.30. So I want you to finish school, finish work at 9.30, and we're going to meet up at 9.30, and then we're going to sit down together from 9.30 to maybe 11. And I want you to tell me something deep, and I'm going to give you some advice, and maybe you can cry, and then you hug me, and I'm going to hug you back, and this will be a nice bonding moment, and we're going to cherish this moment forever, and we come close to each other. It's not going to ever happen that way. You cannot, you cannot create, you cannot create deep and meaningful time with a person by this kind of organized thing. Yes, this allows you, but it has to be time. So special moments, tasting, come out of an abundance of time. So you spend time, spend more time. And in the middle of a whole day when I'm spending with Faith, a whole day when I'm spending with Emma, a whole day when I'm spending with my wife, in these 24-hour days or four or five days trips, there'll be moments where we're going to bond, moments where we're going to uh, have tears, where we're going to have laughs, and we're going to bond together and get to know each other really. And the same thing with God. For you to taste Him, for Him to set you free from the bondage and slavery of sin, there has to be these moments. And these moments will not come out of a 15-minute session on, uh, with Agbe or a 15-minute session with, with the Gospel or a quick one and a half hour of, uh, of Mass. This is fantastic. But there has to be more time. Even if you don't feel like it. Even if I feel like I'd rather be going away somewhere fishing. But I know that they are more important to me. And I want to create this time. And out of the abundance of time will come these meaningful connections and these meaningful moments. And that will create a personal relationship. And this is the same thing with God. Out of the abundance of time, you cannot say, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to pray quickly and I expect to taste. That's why we're not tasting. And because we're not tasting... We're not being free. So finally, this um, uh, what I was telling you about, St. Gregory of Palamas, he's saying, man took the image of God when he was created. The image includes freedom and creativity. The main difference between man and animal is not a biological difference. It's a difference between a being that has freedom of making choices and decisions, a freedom to decide his destiny, and another being, that is the animal, that, is, that his existence depends merely on the environment around him or around it and its mere instinct. What makes a human human is the fact that he cannot, he can commit to a great extent and with total freedom, he can commit. What makes us human is that we can commit with total freedom and responsibility to what we believe in. This freedom is godly given gift and precisely it's God's given image in us. It's divine, not human, not natural and not created. In the mind of the church, this freedom is the total freedom and is realized when the righteousness of God is reflected in every single one of us. So this true freedom, that's what the church says, this true freedom happens when I become one with God, when really Christ, Christ is reflected in me and realized in me, when I become one with Him, when I 
truly partake of the divine nature. And that's what we're going to discuss next time. Next time we're going to discuss hope through partaking of the divine nature or uh, theosis. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Okay. Thank goodness this lasted. It's holding my eye. Um, questions or remarks or objections or uh, what do you think? Any, anything unclear? What do you think? Give me your thoughts. What's in your brains? I'm thinking about um, the Israelites that wanted meat. Could not the rule of moderation work with them? As in, so as in like God would give it, you think God, God was harsh with give, them? Yes. <laughs> he did not force them to eat for 30 days. He did not force them to eat until the meat came out of their noses. But couldn't he give like a couple of days here and then some manna? No, he could. But the problem is not in God's giving or not giving. The problem is in their mindset. That's the problem. The problem is the idea of only if. Because only if means that this is what I want. This is, this is what I'm seeing only. There is, um, there is a philosopher, his name is Walter Wallace. He said... Whatever you worship will eat you alive. So if you look inside yourself and say, what is my if only? So if my if only is a fiance, if my if only is my if only I can lose some weight, if only people would respect me, if only I can get this kind of uh, uh, career to be to boom, if only this, only that, this is what you worship. And what you worship will eat you alive. Because at one time, it will, uh, there's um, one atheist uh, writer was kind of talking about how people in the media kind of crave fame so much and then they get fame and it destroys them. So what she's saying was actually biblical. She was saying that it seems like God grants people their deepest, most dreamt of wishes, and then he grins seeing them get it and seeing what happens to them after they get it. So you want something so badly, and you end up in trouble like the Israelites, not because God gave them meat for 30 days, because they wanted it so badly, and they get, if only, if only we had meat to eat, if only we had meat to eat, and they saw the meat and they went crazy on it, and if God had given them only for three days, it is this, the idea of if only. And this is the idea of whatever you worship will eat you alive. And that's, that doesn't happen when you eat him on the altar. That's, the reverse happens. You eat him and then you become alive. Then you become free. That's exactly the opposite. Does that answer question? Any other questions? Oh, good. So last week is going to be our la uh, next week is going to be our last week. We're going to talk about the fifth thing that we believe that uh, man cannot live or mankind cannot live without, which is hope. And this is going to be through the partaking of the divine nature, uh, like St. Peter said, and glory be to God.